Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. DNBR Draft Podcast. Friday with Jay and Jay, my guys, Jake, Justin. They're covering teams that win football games every once in a while. That's breaking news right there. And a real revelation for this podcast. We, as always, are presented by the good folks at DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one book in all the land. Use that code DNVR for some amazing offers right now, especially for new users. Also on DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, the odds for Hendon Hooker to be the number one pick drastically increasing as we speak. Um, that's always a nice, you know, I like I like to have a number on this stuff. Before before DraftKings, we didn't really have a I, I'm a numbers guy. I need I need something based in in data, and to some extent, a line is data. All of a sudden, the fifth shortest odds to go first overall. Justin, how are you doing, man? As a sports fan, I've certainly been better. Mm. I mean, it's been rough, obviously, in, in Broncos country, and we'll talk about that today. Yeah. Um, the Nuggets, not exactly you know, a great opener. The Avs lost in overtime. CSU lost a winnable game. Bama lost a winnable game. I mean, it's it's been a rough week, but it's also been a, a lot of fun games. I mean, as... As much as it sucked as a Bama guy, I mean, that game was just one of the better regular season college football games I've probably it's... ever watched. And Utah-USC was right up there as well. So a lot, of, a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, for sure. It feels like both in college football and the NFL, the parity is way up. Um, and that has been really nice. Also, Jake, I've started fading our picks on this show. So I'm like oh. giddy. I can't wait for the second Dude. segment because I'm making a killing by by Ryan and I are calling it betting uncomfortably. Uh, the greatest example two weeks ago, we loved fading UCLA. It was like it was yeah. so easy. And then UCLA, they beat uh, Utah outright. Right. Um, mm-hmm. They kicked their ass. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a great year in college football, man. It's been a great year. And Jake, you might have all the disappointments that Justin mentioned, minus Bama, sub, subtract Bama, add Michigan. My guy, not too bad, huh? I mean, it's not bad right now. <laughs> <laughs> the Buffs even won a game last week. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on. It's been okay. awesome, though. It's been a great change of pace to cover a win. I'll tell you that. I, that was uh, dope, man. And to, to see the 50 plus thousands, you know, fans rewarded, I'm not going to be a hater. I saw some people, you know, taking shots over the field yeah. storm because it's against Cal. They hadn't won a game in like a year. Let them storm. If 50,000 people show up, they deserve to have some fun. And that's what's been cool about as bad as both of these teams have been. I mean, CSU had like 35,000. It was a near sellout for, you know, a one win team. The, the yeah. fans are committed out here, so they deserve a better product. I do think better days are coming, so that's exciting. 
100%, man. I sure. mean, it was uh, people, as you said, people were going to just get all upset about it and everything, but these fans know what they've been through. So we're pro having fun on this podcast. Absolutely. Once you 100%. get it back, then you have some standards. But like right now, it's just right. all about embracing the moment. Yeah. Also, we can't always be like, oh, man, they're taking away from what's making college football great. And then we're also like, how dare they storm the field? Um, <laughs> At that, least they're there. That like, Tennessee how many people bitch about the attendance? Up. Yeah. That yeah. was mm-hmm. insane. And Absolutely. There was an ugly scene there with, uh, I think it was Jermaine Burton. It's yeah. like he smacked somebody. Hopefully that's not true. Um Emotions are running high. I mean, that's the anti-field storm people. That's what they'll say is it puts the players in a bad position. And it does. It does. It, it just asks for something to happen. But it's such an organic moment. They hadn't won in 15 years. The shot that CBS had of the fireworks going off after they win and then immediately the the field storming. I mean, it was it was like a movie. You know, it was, it was really poetic. As, as gut-wrenching as it was for me, as far as the outcome goes, I was just like, God, that was that was everything we love about college football. So you can't even be saw, upset about it. I saw a tweet or something. I don't even know if this is a stat, but Bama, every time they've been beaten, they've had the field rush on them since like 2010 or something like that. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's like Ole Miss and AM and you know, it's that is brutal, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. It really sucks. <laughs> every time they lose, you have to sit there and be like, but that's you know, they that's the it. price of winning. Like you yeah, earn yeah. that when yeah. you have success. So you gotta you gotta roll with the punches if you're a Bama fan and accept the fact that if they are storming on you every time, I mean that's the ultimate sign of respect, right? It is. It is well the crazy thing, and Jake and I talked about it on last week's pod, um, right at the end was this Tennessee win really makes it possible for three SEC teams in the playoffs. Like everyone wants to talk about Bama out. I I don't know if you guys have been watching college football for the last 15 years. Bama always makes it in with one loss. One loss literally means nothing. Um Tennessee's still gotta go to Georgia. Uh, yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's yeah. right. It's if they possible. lose to Georgia and then it's an undefeated dogs team against a one loss Bama in the SEC title, and Tennessee's sitting at home the SEC. with one yeah. loss, right? And then Bama wins the SEC. You have three one losses, and it's it's almost a shoot. Well, and we the one thing that could throw there. a ring. Oh, go ahead, Jake. Sorry. <laughs> so we can't we can't put this energy out there. We can't I'm just do saying, this. man. I'm well, just here, saying. let me let me bring some let me bring a counter then, because it's while it is still alive. The thing that kind of makes this year unique, and I I think I heard this brought up by Scott Van Pelt. A uh, shout out SVP, but. The difference between this year and some of those other years, though, is that you have actual contenders in both the Pac-12 and Big 12 with, you know, you still have an undefeated UCLA. We'll see what the resume shapes up like TCU. I mean, if they run the table, they're going to have multiple ranked wins. Like the Big 12 is actually good this year. Big 12 is amazing. Yes. And you could totally have an undefeated Ohio State and a one-loss Michigan or vice versa, you know? Yeah, but that's Um, that's why we do need the expanded playoffs, I guess. I mean, in years past, I don't know, but this is like a perfect case for how fun would an 8 or a 12-team playoff be this year? You on Saban's mailing list? Is this straight from uh, straight from the <laughs> newsletter this week? Uh, so obviously a gajillion topics to get into in the world of football, both pro and 
amateur, as we used to call it. For now. Uh, yeah, for now. I mean, I don't. I actually think that that ship sailed over a year ago. Yeah, uh, you're right. We're, we're just making jokes. And yet, uh, the, the sicko that I am, I wanted to start this off by talking about how I feel and how we're all supposed to feel when we look at a mock draft these days, where um, even though right now, like if you just look at the regular standings, they're like the 10th worst record. There are plenty Tinkathon, of... Tinkathon has them at the 7th overall pick Ouch. right now is what it would be. Ouch. Um, so like the latest Draft Network mock, which must have come out before Monday Night Football, has them at 14, um, where Seattle takes Tyree Wilson, the edge out of Texas Tech. So that doesn't hurt much, right? Like, okay, we can get over that. Um, draft Countdown has them fifth, drafting Will Levis. Um, so, okay, ouch, that kind of hurts, but it's Will Levis, so I think I can handle that. Charles mm-hmm. McDonald on, on YouTube um, has them seventh, drafting Keely Ringo, which, whatever. I mean, shit, we could use him, but... Um, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. So I guess right now the and both draft countdown and um Yahoo had a consensus top four at least, which was CJ Stroud to the Panthers at one, Will Anderson to the Raiders at two, which oh man, that'd be terrifying. Bryce Young to yeah. the Lions at three. God, that'd be an amazing fit. Um, or just an amazing get for Detroit. Jalen Carter the stud out of Georgia at four to the Texans. Um, And, you know, the Texans also through the Browns getting a pick at six and taking Will Levis, which I'm not quite sure about. But anyways, I guess what I'm trying to get to is when this rust trade was first made, we knew it'd be a a top 10 pick in in a week draft. Um, and then we kind of assumed it'd be a pick in the late teens to 20s this year. If it is a top 10 pick, how do you guys see this draft? Um, and is there kind of an inflection point where it's like, man, if they were to miss out on a Jalen Carter, a Miles Murphy, a Bryce Young, this is a disastrous trade, but the next tier is fine. I feel like the extension is more damning than the trade at this point, just because while if it is a top 10 pick, it's going to sting two first round picks. Like that's just kind of what you have to pay when you're assuming it's going to be a, what we thought was going to be, you know, at least a competent starting quarterback. And I'm not saying that Russ still can't be. I think there's a lot of issues with this offense yeah. and lack of yeah. creativity from a scheme standpoint, that was one thing. Just talk, we'll, we'll talk about it later with those fun college football games. It's so much different watching like Lincoln Riley create for these guys inside the 20, and then you go watch what the Broncos are doing. It's just, it's just the same game, even. But yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's going to sting. I mean, it, you know, if it's the top 10 pick, I, I don't see how you feel good about the trade unless Russ just drastically plays better. But right now the extension I think is, is just what kills you and looks absolutely awful because you committed all this capital and now you're, you can't invest in the future because you don't have a first round pick to, it's just a tough spot, tough spot. We might've, we might've really blew this one. 
Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Um, the extension has been giving me nightmares already since like week four or five, honestly. So I try not to think about that one too much, but yeah, I mean, just looking at this offensive line, they could use probably another tackle for sure. They could probably use another corner. Um, maybe even a wide receiver too. I mean, there's just so much going on right now and they're not going to have this, what looks like a top 10 pick now it, it stings pretty greatly. I would say, um, I don't even know who I would miss out on the most if it was taken, if they were taken with our spot right now. But, uh, I mean, Eli Ricks at Alabama, there's corners too. I mean, it's, there's options. There would yeah. options. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the lack of general depth. I do think, you know, the the needs you just mentioned in an ideal world they're playing well with Russ and you're able to sign those kind of guys um who are in that range of trying to make a final run and want to come to your team and are willing to take less. I'm or you hit on like a Charles Cross like Seattle did later. Yeah. Um Though, I mean, that was that ninth pick they got from the the restaurant. Um, You know, I think so. And just generally, I mean, we're seeing what just adding good first rounders or good top hundred picks. I mean, Baron Browning has been otherworldly. And that edge is another area where you lose Chubb. You know, you'll replace him with Browning. Having some insurance with Randy Gregory's uh, injury stuff would be really nice. and I mean, they've been depleted by injuries as well. So, I mean, that that doesn't help the depth at all either. I think as long as you're not, as long as Bryce Young isn't available at the pick you're at, and they got to figure a lot of stuff out. I mean, for just on-field reasons, if they do end up with a top 10 pick, it's disastrous just simply because they didn't improve um, even a bit from years prior with Russ. And there's like a ton that needs to be figured out. Um, with that offense just in general. But I think as long as it's not Bryce Young, you can essentially live with this. And um, and the more I think about it, the more I come back to what I was saying three, four episodes ago, which is that I'm very intrigued by the 2024 class. I really can hope that DJ Ugalele stays in school continues this sneaky nice progression we're seeing because that size really has me intrigued um and you know it's a class of dj jj mccarty um caleb wilson caleb williams Williams, i'm sorry sam ewers and okay this stuff keeps on happening injuries keep stacking up russ you know gets banged up then you have another bite at the apple for a class that maybe there's outside of, you know, the top, top dog, which I don't really think is plausible regardless. That's the other thing is like, you need a top three pick no matter what. And I'm not sure even if Brett Rippon was the quarterback that they'd be bad enough to have a top three pick. That's kind of where they, where they found themselves these last few years. Um, that, yeah, I, I think you might just have as good a chance if if it really you completely blew this rust trade to do it all again and and have a have a chance of drafting a guy a year from next year's draft um and you know it will the the depth issues will be felt for years and years and years um but that's similar to how the depth issues have been felt 
when the Broncos completely blew draft classes in the post-Manning era as well. Um, and that's just built into the game. So I don't know. I guess that's kind of where I'm landing on it. But at the same time, if if this does end up being a top 10 pick, there are much greater issues. And this is going to be a rough offseason. Yeah. Uh, if, if Bryce Young is taken with the Broncos pick to Seattle, uh, oh, I don't be know. Devastating. That'd be devastating. I don't know if I'd be able to live with myself. Yeah. That's the one that cannot happen. That's the one that just cannot be allowed. Um, and I, I still think he's going to go top three. So, yes. like, no, he has to. You know, I, I, I don't feel super bad about it right now. Like, I, but I don't know, man. You lose to the Jets, you're in a bad spot going into a wonky London game, and oh, no. this schedule only gets harder. So, I, it's hard to feel good. You know, I don't want to be too doom and gloom, but it's just, yeah. When this was supposed to be such a fun season, it's just been such a kick to the crotch. And, you know, like watching Vaughn kill it for Buffalo, it, it just feels like every decision we made was a coin flip. And you can understand the rationale between what they did, but we just, it just came out wrong. Like, it's like you get it. I don't know if it was necessarily a bad choice, but it hasn't, it just has not played out. I mean, wins and losses color everything. And football is a game of the slimmest margins. They should have won both those last two games in prime time, if you ask me. Um, They should have beat Seattle. They should have three more wins than they do right now. And that's when you come back to poor coaching. But you'll hear that on every podcast. So Right. And when you're on that razor's edge, you could be five and one just as you could be one and five. And you're actually it's like the Vikings. The Vikings are sitting here at five and one and they have won every scrappy, crappy game. Whereas the Broncos have found ways to lose them. Yeah. Look at the Vikings record um, against the spread. It's opposite of what their real life record is. That's how bad they've been. Um, But they're pulling off the close one. So it's just a game of margins, man. And I think, um, it's easy to feel like everything sucks when those margins just, I mean, you keep giving them up left and right instead of taking advantage of them. So to me, that signifies a, a, a quick turnaround, but it's also full of parody. And this isn't a team that inspires much confidence in any way. Um, I mean, if we want to go further on the Broncos, I still can't get over the fact that, um, it's been at least four play callers, several head coaches, a multitude of starting quarterbacks. And this team has yet to figure out how to pick up some extra pressure. Um, there's no line adjustments. There's no uh, pre-snap adjustments. The center's not doing shit about this. And the center might be the one consistent part of all this. And maybe it really is time to move on from Lloyd Cushenberry, who I was, I mean... Through the moon about that pick. Uh, Center for one of the greatest offenses in college football history. A guy who was loved there at LSU. Graduates early, despite all the load he had with that historic season, which is why he goes to the Senior Bowl. Insane length and athleticism for the center position. It just hasn't worked out. He he straight up sucks. Um, And I mean, even having a veteran quarterback, they can't pick up a fucking blitz. It's the most basic offensive football. And on top of that, they can't get open against man coverage. Um, So when you can't achieve the most basic of, I mean, at the NFL level, these aren't even basics. 
it's like me not you know not not being able to talk in this business it's like the most low entry um and right now anyone can scheme against that broncos offense i mean shit you just bring extra pressure you play man coverage boom it's done i i don't even care who who you have on your on your fucking defense you can do it in the blink of an eye so it doesn't it none of this really matters until you get the most like minuscule details that any pro football team should be able to achieve figured out um so you know it, it just it just comes down to all that but yeah to me i can i can live through anything that's not will anderson cj strout and bryce young and i think bryce young is the only one that scares me where the nfl talks themselves into hey eh, small eh, the shoulder this year Ah, you didn't win back-to-back natties. You know, we start doing the stupid shit. Oh, his wide receivers, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, it, like like there's plenty of analysts that have Will Levis QB2, you know, which to me is insane. Madness, madness. Um, because through all of Hendon Hooker's game, and maybe we can close off segment one with this, um, we should not lose the fact that Bryce Young comes back from injury and is an absolute stone cold killer i love this kid so much man he's i've got a ton to say about him so we'll please let's let's do the ads and then let's get into that alabama tennessee game because okay i feel like we'll go on and on let's do it that's not that's not a bad plan here um justin mentioned it with some nugs disappointment but the nba is back baby um it's actually sports equinox right now where uh you have all all the big dogs in action you actually have mls playoffs too obviously college football um soon in november football month in america comes around where there's actually football monday through sunday all week god bless the mac and all the good they do for this world. But right now on DraftKings Sportsbook with the NBA being back, they are, of course, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA money live bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Um, and that's in addition to all the amazing stepped-up same-game parlays they offer. Every week, it's like more, more offers than I can even... Um, you know, keep keep together on on the football side. It's been insane. You can do the SGPX as they call it, SGPP, where you can uh, you know, do multiple same game parlays parlayed together. That's going to be a fun way to pass the weekend. Um, so just download that that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DMVR. Make any five dollar bet this week and get two hundred dollars in free bets. If your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code DNVR, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Basketball is back, but so is football. And you know, Breck Brew has you covered with the hometown craft beer, the Denver Broncos, Broncos Country Pale Ale. Show off that Colorado or colorful Colorado legacy with the orange crush logo. So fly. I've got it on a jacket, a shirt, and a hat. That's how yeah, much I love it. It's true. Made by 100% Colorado ingredients, this will be your go-to all football season long. You can get them at the tailgates. We're out there crushing them before the games. It's a great time. You should come through if you're going to any games this year. But check out the beer locator at www.breckbrew.com to find a Broncos country pale ale near you. You will not be disappointed. Boom. There you go. We... um 
We teased it, so give me your thoughts on this Hendon Hooker, Bryce Young, Big 12-style SEC game, which, by the way, we would not be praising like this if this was just like Texas Tech TCU from three years ago. We'd be like, ah, defense in the Big 12. <laughs> um, which, Jesus, what has happened to defense in the SEC? Um, I've got takes. Yeah, <laughs> please. But um, I guess before I give the word to you, Hendon Hooker, obviously incredible, though I think when you watch the tape with a little more of a fine-tuned comb, still plenty of, uh, ooh, he, he missed that one, plays. Jalen Hyatt might be the real story. He was just, like, gobbled up Bama's secondary, which Saban, man, must just be having nightmares over that. And Darnell Wright, not enough people talking about how the right tackle for Tennessee after playing very well against B.J. Ojulari and LSU really maybe had the best performance against Will Anderson that we've seen in 20-plus games the last two years. So incredible offensive performance from them. And I already uh, mentioned Bryce Young. But Justin, what did you see in all this? What are your takeaways? Yeah, I mean, Hooker is is one of the most fun players in college football. And at this point, I would say he should be the Heisman front runner just because he's oh. had the moments, the numbers Absolutely. are undeniable. As you mentioned, the the accuracy is definitely a concern, mm-hmm. um, especially in tight windows in the intermediate game. That deep ball yes. is legit. Yeah. It's absolutely yep. legit. Yeah. But Hyatt's running he's just torched the secondary all day. Those weren't hard throws. Like he was five Mm -hmm. yards past the DB every single time. Yes. It was insane. I mean, that, that was as individually dominant of a performance by a wide receiver that I can remember in college football. He just, he took over and hookers credit. He hit those deep balls. Again, they're not the toughest, but you still got to hit them. But Bryce young, man, just the composure that he showed in this game. It's wild. To be able, I mean, they go down 28-10 after that muff punt. He takes them straight down the field. They get a touchdown. Tennessee weirdly goes for it on fourth down after that, turns it over on downs. They get another field goal. I mean, that 10-point swing there in the last five minutes of the half, most teams going down 18 in that environment, they're getting curb stomped. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, Alabama, they they should have won. They really they beat themselves with. Yeah penalties and just lack of discipline. It's been a problem all year. Some of those pass interference calls were not great, um, but that's that's how it goes in a game like this. I'm not Mm going to like come up here and be like, boo-hoo, the refs cost them the game. Stop Hyatt at one point in the entire fucking game and you win. But it was just, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch, man. I, I, I don't know how you can watch Bryce Young and not just be in love with him. Like I get he's small, but his poise, his escape ability, he showed it a couple of times, had one where he like scrambles all the way right to the sideline, sidesteps the defender, delivers a dart for a first down. Dude. They were in his face all day. He's still making touch throws in the intermediate game. That's the big difference between him and Hooker is just Bryce can make any throw on the field. But mm-hmm. it, it was just a lot of fun, man. Like I, I could go on and on. I know I'm ranting here, so I want Jake to talk about it. But th- to me, this game was really validating for both of these teams. Like you're for real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bryce Young is just a killer, man. That play you're talking about, Justin, where he's running right and he just puts his leg, dead leg in the ground. The guy goes flying by and he's just standing there. There's no pressure all of a sudden and just delivers a dart. I mean, the composure, the confidence that he has is otherworldly at times. And he was just carving up Tennessee 
to that point, though, I cannot believe Alabama lost this football game. They should have won this football game five times over. Um, and but that being said, I just I don't this may come back to bite me. I don't think this Alabama team has it this year, though, in terms of CFP contending. The secondary just is not up to par. They're grabbing a lot. They're getting DPIs called at the goal line and stuff. I mean, it's very non-Saban-like stuff. Um, but on that note, Jameer Gibbs, so impressive. My goodness, man. He is – go ahead, Justin. Tell me about him. When we previewed the season, you and I, and we did our running back yes. class, I said he's running back one. And if you want – I look, Bijan Robinson – a stud we're going to talk about some other stud backs here you know blake corum and brown the kid from illinois but mm. he is the i mean jameer gibbs has the, the quickest feet in college football his vision his lateral agility yeah he lets the play develop then he just hits it he had a touchdown run in the third that was magical dude they they're trying to run off tackle but he reads it cuts inside explodes through the hole does a little hesitation without even like skipping stride goes in untouched from 26 yards out he just mm. He's going to be the next Alvin Kamara. Yeah, he's so good. Um, and then Jalen Hyatt, too. Some Randy Moss shit from him. Six receptions, 207 yards with five touchdowns. Are you serious, <laughs> dude? Oh, he's Amazing incredible. Game, he's incredible. He was unreal in that game. That, there's nothing else I can say. Unreal. I mean, the you know, we, we can remember. There's like a short list of quarterbacks who've done this to Bama. Um, Wide receivers who've done this to Bama, the, the list is even shorter. I mean, just mm. yikes. Absolutely. They couldn't even stay in the, the ballpark with him. No. Like it, no. Every single time that Hooker dropped back and you could tell they were going for a shot play, I'd just look down because it's like, oh my God, here we go again. They could not stop. It. I mean, it was like a video game. It was it was yeah. insane. No, that's what absolutely. has me concerned the most about this Alabama team, though, man. You don't see this often from them. How are you, how do you expect them to hang it with DJ and Clemson with Ohio State? Shit, Stetson's been throwing darts and has been able to make some plays downfield. I mean, these defensive backs are just getting ran by. It's nothing like I've ever seen from Saban defensive backs. I will say credit to the Tennessee, you know, pass pro, like like we already mentioned. There aren't going to be very many games where Anderson just gets completely taken out of the equation, yes. and that's something to factor in moving forward. Yeah, Bama did get a couple of really key stops on fourth down to stay alive in this game, and it, it kind of, I don't know, you know, kind of reminds me of like those Bills Chiefs games where it's, it feels like they're getting torched, but there's moments of key quality defense where the talent pops. And Tennessee's kind of the same deal. Like I, I they couldn't really stop Alabama. But their pass rush was getting home all game. And it's like, I don't, there were moments where they did it, but the, the secondary is, is definitely a huge concern for Alabama because it's just all of these offenses are going to be able to move the ball on you. And you still got to play Ole Miss. <laughs> I mean, right. it's, Auburn can move the ball at times as, as dysfunctional as they've been. It's, it's concerning. I feel like the, it's what we've said about Ohio State the last few years too, like yeah. Bama, Ohio State, secondaries, and O-lines especially just aren't at all what we're used to. That and I mean, last drive. year, Ohio State was the D-line, too, that you could just run on, like, easy peasy. That final drive from Tennessee, that has to keep saving up. They Just two plays, and they're already in field goal range like that? How often does run that happen? Run the ball, saving. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah. Throw three straight times, and you leave them 40 seconds? You run the ball, 
And worst case, you go to overtime if you miss that kick field goal. But with how bad your secondary has been, and to his credit, he even admitted it that like it was a bad play calling sequence. And you know, I I don't know, I just I feel like Alabama's not in these type of games that often. And there have been a couple of instances over the years where Saban's really dropped the ball. I mean, it's the same deal with the Iron Bowl, you know, the kick six, where it's just like, what are you doing? Play for overtime. Yeah, just that was bad coaching, you know. We rarely are going to say that about, you know, Saban. So it's just a, a tough mm-hmm. way to lose, but their uh, the path to the playoff is still alive. It's going to be a really interesting yes. final six weeks in college football. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating. Um, Hooker, where do you guys rank him? Is he a first rounder? He is 24. E. I don't think so, man. I mean, maybe he's not he's consistently the, accurate enough in those intermediate windows. Like that's if you can't make those throws, you can't be an NFL quarterback. I look at Jalen Hurts. I mean, kind of end of second round day two guy. I think that's where you have Hendon Hooker just with the age and everything factored in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the age has been a lot of those older guys have not worked out. Um, so when you just yeah. you have shorter time to figure it out, you know, it's like we always come back to. It's like if if you're on the fence between a 24-year-old and a 20-year-old, you're going to take the 20-year-old. It's the same thing in basketball. It's the same thing in baseball. It's, all right, well, we got time to figure it out with one of these guys. One of these other guys, if it doesn't, in two, three years, he's going to be, you know, the face of an auto dealership somewhere. So it's just, it is what it is. He's a tremendous athlete. One of the most fun players in college football, not trying to be a hater, but the people that are trying to elevate him over some of these other quarterbacks based on some of these plays again, like these receivers are running completely unfazed. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I think we're getting a little carried away. I mean, when someone's in the Heisman race, you do get carried away. It's uh, it's weird how it, he's very Desmond Riddery in the intermediate game, but he has the deep stuff that Desmond Ritter could only have dreamed of. Um, so it, it's he's really intriguing on the deep ball. It's the rest of the game that, but he's going through his progressions. I mean, he's he's solid. He's got poise for days too, and he makes um, great decisions with the yeah, ball. Like I mean, yeah. the, the touchdown interception ratio. Like I could see a team falling in love with him and taking a flyer on him late. But I think the age is ultimately what is going to keep him out of the first round because they just if he was twenty one with nothing else different. And maybe that's stupid, but it is what it is. Like, that's just, we know how this process works. Feels like a draft where we're going to like a lot of the day two, day three picks. Um, Agreed. Guys like Cam Ward, Hooker, you know, some of the dudes you like, Jake, Dorian Thompson, Robinson. Yeah. They're, they're going to drop just a little and we'll be like, oh man, that's a sneaky pick. Oh, I like that pick. Um, any other standouts you guys want to go over? That was definitely one of those huge games of this college football season. So I'm, I'm glad we gave it its time. Quinton Johnston goes off. Um, Chase Brown and this magical Illini team gets a big win. Blake Corum uh, has another big one and a huge win for Michigan. Uh, Miles Murphy went off against Florida State. Levis pulls off a big upset against Mississippi State, though I don't know if the stats are all that impressive. Dalton Kincaid is big and a huge upset for um, Utah over USC. Anyone anyone you guys want to highlight? We've got plenty of uh, 
week eight stuff to get into too. So no pressure either way. Those backs you mentioned, you know, Brown and Corum, those they're just throwback type backs, you know, like good vision, sturdy, physical. They're a lot of fun to watch. Chase Brown is deceptively really effective in the passing game. Just wanted to throw that out there. Soft hands. Um, Dalton Kincaid, I'm glad you brought him up because he was the the star of the show for that Utah offense as well as Cam Rising. And the only the one thing I just want to shout out with Rising, and I understand he's flawed, but I'm really high on him as like a you know day two pick guy. You can just bring in the building. I think he makes good decisions on that two point conversion for the win. He did what he did not do in the Florida game. He read it. He's under pressure instead of forcing a ball into the end zone. He uses his big ass frame and he just runs and untouched in there. I don't know, man. I just I I think this Utah team is poised. I know they just got waxed by UCLA the the week before, but. I still think Utah's the best team in the Pac-12. I really do. Um, all of these guys have been impressive. I will say Chase Brown has been nice, but man, Mo Ibrahim in that game, he is so impressive. He's another guy who's really like, I think he's 24 years old also, and he's got a lot of wear on the tires. But if you're a team like Denver who needs a back, especially these next year or two with Javante kind of healing, um, I think he's someone that should be considered because I think he's plug and play in the NFL. Johnston at TCU is an absolute freak. I can't believe the explosion and stop and start ability he has at his size. At his size. And then, he, and then he's got that skinny post where uh, Duggan throws the ball between the safety and the corner. And Johnston just jumps in the air and the safety's coming over. If it's any guy smaller than Quentin Johnson, that safety absolutely levels that receiver. And there's no catch or even a play on the ball. But Johnston goes up. He delivers the hit as he's jumping up when the safety's coming to make contact and still makes the catch. Uh, Kincaid was just special. Um, my take on Will Levis was watching that game. I kind of got it was starting to buy in. And then he pulled a Cam Ward and threw a pick six on a screen pass. And from that moment, uh, that I can't. I think that's uh, I'm going to set a rule with that for myself, guys. If you throw an interception, a pick six on a screen pass, I can't. I can't trust you. Because I, I don't care if it's the play called. I don't care if that's the only route that you have to throw to. You have to see that these corners know what's coming. You can't throw that football. Do anything. Take the sack. Throw it eight yards out of bounds. You cannot take that interception there. Any uh, local shout-outs? I'll just say Mo Kamara, Edge from CSU, continues to impress at four QB hits in that Utah State game. His get-off is really impressive. He uses his hands well. And he just smokes quarterbacks. Um, CSU secondary, deceptively really nice. Jack Howell, 61 total tackles, three picks right now. Aiden Hector, the Washington State transfer, has slid over at nickel. He's a guy that play has a lot of versatility. You could kind of play him you know, all over. And uh, Henry Blackburn, a local kid, is, is playing well. Really rangy, physical. I'm not saying these guys are going to be like first-round picks or anything like that. But I do think there's some NFL talent on that CSU defense, you know, worth watching as we see how this year goes out for these uh, local teams. On the buff side, I'd point out Guy Thomas and Terrence Lang, um, both kind of played defensive end and on the edge. This defense has been, I mean, a lot has been said about them. They haven't played well those first five games. They played really nice last week. I think those guys will offer the NFL some value, though. Guy Thomas in particular, I don't think he's um, really shown what he's capable yet. I'll just uh, circle back to Johnston. Uh, you know, 
the wide receivers that work out in the NFL, it's some pretty freaky physical traits that really help them strive above the rest. And he has that, man. It's not just a size speed combo. It's stuff like Jake's talking about the kind of physicality at the point catch, um, the compete level. That's really, really impressive. I, he just feels like a guy who might go late first. And in a few years, we're like, dang, that dude just ended up in a great situation. He's an absolute beast now in the NFL. Um, let's get into week eight, man. It's, it's the nitty gritty late October. You start to see the Halloween decorations, all these regular season games really mean a lot. It kind of becomes upset city. And we'll start with Ohio State hosting Iowa minus 30. Quietly, the Buckeyes really rounded into form here. Um, I don't know what the uncomfortable side is here, guys. What what, what sticks out to you? 30 is big, but... Mm-hmm. Iowa, I saw a stat. They haven't covered like seven straight games in October against ranked teams. They have not covered the spread. So this is typically when Iowa's deficiencies come to life because they get to the hard part of their schedule. They can't keep up with the offenses that they're going against. Obviously, defensively, they're nice, but I don't know. I mean, they would have to play the game of their lives to keep this Ohio State team close. I like the over 49 and a half. Most Ohio State games are pushing near the 60s, but I guess maybe the uncomfortable play would be taking the under and counting on the Iowa defense to at least keep it somewhat respectable. 30 is a little bit large for me. It makes me somewhat hesitant, but I think they cover it late, so I I would take it. I think uh, I like Ohio State minus 30 and the over. I, I'm looking at that. I think I might parlay that. I, I like those odds, um, and I think that Ohio State could potentially get this over by themselves. Interesting. Interesting. I like I like this thinking. Um, the big change for Ohio State is that D-line is feels like an Ohio State D-line again, and that is not a recipe for success for Iowa. Um, also interested to see kind of that front seven talent for the Hawkeyes and how they can um strife big one for Paris Johnson for example Syracuse at Clemson Syracuse has been an incredible story Dino Babers really um turning things around kind of a great example of how sometimes a little patience for your head coach can go a long way they're undefeated ranked 14th they go to Clemson uh Clemson 14 point favorites in this one taking the Tigers go yeah. Tigers I don't believe I don't believe in this Syracuse team, unfortunately. Um, I mean, a win over NC State last week. I think Leary got kicked out of that game, though, right? Or he got brought out because of injury. And then just looking at this Syracuse schedule, I mean, big wins over Wagner. You beat Virginia by two points, Purdue by three points. Uh, You put it on UConn and Louisville. That doesn't sell me enough for a, a home game with Clemson and DJ. DJ, let's talk about him real quick, man. He was slinging it. Beautiful balls, leading his guys down the sideline. That uh, The flea flicker touchdown, do you know what I'm talking about? With the tight end just right up the sideline, mm-hmm. how he fit that ball right over the shoulder in stride. Beautiful. Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. Yeah, watch out for DJ. Know, man. 10 a.m. kickoff, though. That's kind of... It's kind of like this sneaky time for a team like Syracuse to hang around. You just have a Clemson team that's maybe looking past them. 
the fact that they're undefeated and ranked top 15, I think Clemson going to try and earn some style points here. But yeah, I don't know. Cuse is a fun story. I have a hard time seeing them keep it close with this Clemson team and what we've seen from the offense the past couple weeks. Oh, man. Okay. Somebody's going to uh, fade us and make a bunch of money. So I'm. <laughs> That's been me the last couple of weeks. I don't, I don't know though. I don't know. So right now you're telling me Iowa and Clemson to cover essentially. No, you're both on Clemson. No, Ohio state and Clemson. I know. So if I fade it, I'm taking Iowa and Syracuse. Syracuse. God, That's that, a real sickos parlay right it there. Makes you me really is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is what I'm learning is if it makes you uncomfortable, it's, it's the right play. Talk about making you uncomfortable. Oregon at home, six-point favorites to UCLA. If you're laying six on Bo Nix, there's nothing more uncomfortable, man. I'd, <laughs> I'd literally rather be in a car that my four-year-old is driving than lay six on Bo Nix against UCLA. This is insane. Which which defense can stop the opposing team's running game? Both of these defenses come in averaging, yeah. allowing less than 100 rushing yards yeah. per game, while both opposing offenses are averaging 200-plus yards on the ground. Whoever can stop the running game and make the other team, you know, while I do like DTR, I think he's somewhat flawed as a passer at times. We all know the Bo Nix experience. I mean, if you can force one of these teams to be one-sided, I think you're going to be able to win. But so far, nobody has stopped either of these teams running games and they've played some impressive defenses. So I think this is a this is a fun matchup. And man, Chip, it feels like old school Oregon with some yeah, of this play call yeah, stuff yeah. he's doing with DTR. They're going into Oregon. I like UCLA in this game straight up. Yep. Give me the money line plus 195 on UCLA. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Um... UCLA just feels like such the better side. Um, and the book's it's giving you cheesy. six yeah. on Oregon, Oregon, like empty the account on the ducks. Um, and I hate, I hate it. My football brain hates it. My betting brain is like, wow, you gotta be home. Bo Knicks. Home Bo Knicks. Home Bo Knicks. I mean, look, Oregon's wins. They, uh, they wax BYU by 21. Late comeback win against Wazoo. That one was insane. Horrible beat. This is where the betting uncomfortably thing started. Um, (laughs) Solid 18-point win against Stanford. And they take care of business against Arizona on the road last week. It's not a bad team. It's not a bad team. I don't believe in them at all, but they're, they're getting it done. It's a really fun Big 12 slate. Let's go to Texas, Oklahoma State, Sark against Gundy. Um, This is a good one. And I guess I love Texas as six and a half point favorites on the road, which is kind of wild. I think I'm on the pokes, man. Yeah, I think I'm I'm on the Cowboys as well. That defense is legit. they are two years in a row. They're really good. They might not have a true stud who's going to win awards or like go high in the draft, but they are so solid, man. They're well coached and they stick to their system. They get after the quarterback. They typically aren't getting blown in coverage. I just, I don't know if Oklahoma State offensively can keep up with mm-hmm. this Texas team. 
Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like both sides are uncomfortable. If, if you're backing yeah. Oklahoma State, that's a crappy spot to be in because we've seen what this Texas offense looks like with Ewers and you know Robinson rolling. Yeah. And then on the other side, Oklahoma State's going to be a great atmosphere. They absolutely live for this shit to take that Oklahoma-Texas yes. night game. I mean, this is classic Oklahoma State win. But I also don't trust Gundy sometimes. Like we've seen him <laughs> blow these where Oklahoma <laughs> State should have been in it. They were the original Clemsoning. Like 20 years ago, it was Oklahoma State was the, you know, Brandon Whedon. That team was undefeated. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. Week. There were some crazy oh, games in what there. What a disaster. Yeah, I mean, everything lines up for Texas. Texas does. Now Oklahoma State is starting to feel like the uncomfortable side to me. You just made Whoa. the case. But Spencer Saunders last week against TCU was really impressive for me. I thought he's been yeah. playing really well. He's no, on he pace well. to set. He's on pace to set career highs in yardage and touchdown interception ratio. Um, already thirteen touchdowns this year. The most he had was twenty last year. He's also added eight on the ground already. Um, I think with that crowd, that atmosphere, and just coming off that loss against TCU last week, I really like Oklahoma State in this spot. And I mean, betting on Sounders is not dissimilar to the Bo Nix experience. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that guy is. He's cost them pretty big in a couple of key spots over the years, but Dicey. he's playing good football. I mean, their defense is solid. I just, I like the atmosphere. It's more a, a principle thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Mississippi State, the Pirate, going to Alabama, tied 21-point favorites. Feels like a great week to bounce back, but Sippy Sippy State gets uh, upset by Will Levis's Kentucky team, so they're coming off a loss as well. And Bama just isn't covering these massive spreads. So you're a resident Bama expert, Justin. How how do you see this? Guide me here. Is the over hot at sixty one? Yeah, I, I definitely take the over just with both these offenses and more the fact that what we've seen out of neither either of these secondaries they haven't exactly been impressive right um you're going up against the air raid will rogers is making the best decisions that he's made so far they're spreading the football around eight different guys with 10 or more catches caleb ducking their six five receiver worries me i i just i don't like i don't feel comfortable at all with bama covering it which is why i think you should I think that's the uncomfortable play. I do think they have a lot to prove. I think Mississippi State is solid. I think they're an eight-win team, maybe even a nine-win team. I just... If Bama is an actual contender, they've got to come out and they've got to roll this team. So we'll see. I think uh, the uncomfortable side for me is Mississippi State plus 21. I mean, they only scored 17 last week against Kentucky um, they needed that pick six too from Will Levis. They don't have that pick six. They only scored 10 points. Mm. I think that is the uncomfortable side. But that being said, if it got into my head, I think I would pick Alabama minus 21. So make of that what you will, Drew. Yeah, I'll say every week there is a couple games where it's like uh, the obvious side was just too obvious. Um, and I just think the book isn't going to adjust on Bama. And they're going to keep laying these big numbers because it's Bama and you don't want to make, they're like such a publicly betted team. You don't want to make this easy on anyone. Um, 
And I think Mississippi State, that offense, you get the ball out quick, you neutralize Will Levitt, uh, Will Anderson a little bit that way. And yeah, it's maybe a bit of a shootout, though. Would it surprise me if Bama rolls them coming off a loss? Not at all. Uh, so I, this might be an overpick and then stay the heck away the rest of the way. Yeah. I won't be touching the spread. I can tell you that with my own yep. money. I yeah. will not be touching the spread. And then... Justin, it's uh, our spicy Big 12 picks head-to-head here. You love Kansas State. I thought TCU was frisky in some way, somehow. Here we are. They're both great. And it's TCU at home as three-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm not quite sure what to make of this either way, which means I go to the backfield I trust more, and I trust Kansas State's backfield infinitely more. I just... Nobody's been able to stop this rushing attack all year. I mean, they have done everything to maximize Adrian Martinez's strengths Mm -hmm. and play away from what he doesn't do well. It's very similar with what we've seen with uh, Todd Santeo going from CSU to James Madison. It's just, we're going to lean on what he does well. We're not going to try and get too cute here. We're going to use our athleticism. And that Kansas State defense is physical, man. They, They keep them in it. I, I like the Wildcats. They've been my team all year. I'm not going to back away from them now. TCU is awesome. Their receivers really worry me, but I'm, I'm going to stick with my team. Go go K-State. I'm going to take K-State straight up and to cover. I like TCU. Garrett Riley is absolutely legit. Um, he, play, he calls yeah. plays just like his yeah. brother, and yeah. The Buffs need to gather all of their best resources and their best pitchmen and try and get this guy to Boulder because he is, I think he's going to be legit uh, Mm -hmm. when it's all said and done and he's a head coach one day. That being said, I do like TCU in this matchup. I just wonder if coming off that big win, I mean, they've had a hell of a stretch at this point, guys. They've played Oklahoma, beat them by uh, about 30 points. They played Kansas in that weird uh, shootout game, one by seven. And then last week, a three-point win over Oklahoma State. They do have this game at home again. Um, I think that makes me feel a little bit better, but the number makes me lean towards Kansas State as much as I like this one for Ucks team. Mm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I just trust Kansas State a bit more. You running through that slate, all I'm thinking about is how how great Quentin Johnston was or how important he was in so many of those games. Mm-hmm. He might be a top 10 prospect for me in this year's draft. Yeah. Um, he's he's having that kind of year, man. Just a huge impact. Oh, man. I don't think there's a ton of obvious sides in this slate. So that makes it exciting. I will bet uncomfortably and take Oregon. That's the one side that I am very confident in um, because I'm very confident in UCLA in reality. So I just fade my thoughts and everything goes well. Um, Where are you at on these local games before we go? Buffs 23 and a half point dogs at Oregon State. Coming off the big win, Oregon State been kind of a tough stretch. I kind of like the Buffs to cover. Yeah, Buffs to cover does feel right just because, I mean, even though the Beavers are five and two, they're they're not that kind of blow it out team, but I mean that last game against Wazoo was impressive, man. And does kind of feel like a get right game. But no, I think if we're using the bet uncomfortably standard, the buffs are the uncomfortable side, which makes me uncomfortable. 
but it also makes me feel like they might just pull this off. Um, I can't believe the Rams are six-point faves. I cannot believe this. Second best scoring defense in the conference. Like their defense really is playing lights out right now. You should get Clay Millen back, which That's is huge. Sick. I mean, That's they just huge. they have established a rushing game finally. Avery Morrow looks awesome. They figured out some of their offensive line woes. It's not perfect, but they're in a state where they can at least be competitive. They were just so limited in their playbook these past two weeks. I mean, I was talking to Matt Mummy about it. And he's like, there were looks where if we had Millen out there, we would have checked into something else, but we couldn't do it with our freshman QBs out there. And we just kind of had to roll with it. It's uncomfortable. The Rams have only covered once all year. I like them to cover at home this week. This to me feels like an Hawaii cover and a close win by the Rams. Maybe could definitely be hold tight and bet them live on the money line might be my advice on this Rams game. I think that's fair. Hawaii's got a good rushing attack. Mm -hmm. Their defense has been really bad. So it's, you know, hopefully a chance for CSU to score some points. I can't believe they kept it as low scoring as they did against San Diego State on the road. San Diego State cannot throw the football. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Air Force can't either, you know, but they they seem to score points. (laughs) (laughs) With this number at plus six, though, and this over under set so low, I can't. I mean, I feel like I have to take Hawaii plus the six, even though Colorado State might win this football game. There we go. That's why I wanted to get you guys' perspective. We get a couple of different, you know, the sides here let the, the people decide. The bus are covering. This is a massive number. They're playing much better defensively. Uh, Bengal Branson, the quarterback at Oregon State, very young player, has only played five career games. He's thrown a lot of interceptions in those times. Not a lot, but... Um, he hasn't been great throwing the football. So they're really going to need to run all over Colorado, which, I mean, one of the worst run defenses in the country when you look at it. But if you look at last week and the transformation that Gerald Chapman's done to this defense, I'm buying in. Yeah. I don't know. The more we talk this through, I think I like Oregon State to cover coming off of the emotional win. Who's who's going to be a quarterback for CU? Is JT Shroud. Mm. Owen's hurt. Mm. Uh, oh boy we'll be tuning in for some wild ones locally. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't know what side to lean on uh, now you've really got me twisted up like a bus. pretzel here I, I don't know um, yeah maybe maybe Oregon State overlooks them a little bit and they cover this they backdoor it they keep it within like 21 I could see that I could see that All right. We're the Draft Pod. We thank you all for listening. Have a great weekend betting on these games. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll be back next week. Bye.